We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co-hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. We're talking the Panthers, Steelers, and 49ers on Roto Viz Radio. What's up, Roto Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz. We've now done a couple of these episodes where we're going to look at three teams' depth charts in that episode and just talk through that group of players, considering which guys are likely to be fantasy relevant, which ones we need to be paying attention to, maybe some to have in the back of your mind. Um, as we move in towards draft season and then potentially to already be thinking about in your head uh, when those first rounds of waivers start to hit in your leagues. Let's start off with a team who we've actually mentioned twice this week um, via a function of one of their wide receivers. I did it again. I did it again. Wrong sound effect. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, oh I am feeling so out of it. I cannot oh. wait till everything gets packed Dude. up and I'm, I'm settled in this new house. <laughs> All right. That was supposed to be the generic quick drop. Uh, let's just talk about the Carolina Panthers, Curtis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Friday. Uh, so I should just add a layer of context um, yep. to, to Dave's situation here. Like he literally, it looks like he's he's broadcasting from like the inside of a plywood box now. <laughs> like he actually has like one of the most beautiful um, studio backgrounds. It's just so like he he has like every 
little knickknack related to football possible in his background. Lots of cool signs and figurines and helmets and all of those types of things. And and now it's like literally just like a plywood wall um, behind him, or you know, maybe it's actually a little nicer than that. Um, uh, you know, like some uh, wood planks or something. But it, it seriously looks like he's broadcasting from a bunker. And just everything is out of sorts. If you didn't catch the episode earlier this week, uh, everything's set up. He's, you know, normally got this stuff on, you know, the other hand with his dashboard and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, um, we'll give you better than crickets uh, in this episode. Promise with this segment. So, yeah, let's hit the Panthers. (laughs) All right. At quarterback, you got Sam Darnold running back Christian McCaffrey, the rookie Chuba Hubbard. Then at wide receiver, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, Jr., DJ Moore, David Moore, tight end Dan Arnold, Ian Thomas, some lower level receivers I maybe could have mentioned. But I guess when I read through this list, it seems like the only player outside of Darnold, McCaffrey, Anderson, and DJ Moore that we probably need to talk about would be David Moore. And then I guess we could kind of conclude if we think that Dan Arnold is a tight end that people need to be thinking about for some of their redraft teams. What do you think, Curtis? Well, I've got, uh, I've got 31 best ball tournament teams um, so far. So that's the context. I mean, we're, we're really talking about, you know, the Panthers and what they're going to do in 2021. Um, so, you know, I can at least, you know, let you know where I'm placing, you know, my bets on this team. Um, the, I would like to know the odds of this. I'm sure um, you would have a way of calculating it. Dave, I've actually not drawn the 101 in 31 tournament drafts, um, which is crazy. I have yet, like, that's got to be kind of poor odds. So my, my day's coming. I actually own 0% Christian McCaffrey, uh, but that's not by design. It's not like I've been, you know, cued and been selecting some other player 101. I just have yet to draw the 101, truthfully. Um, but, you know, McCaffrey, you know, obviously I think um, we have to think he's going to slay here. Um, Anderson, we talked a little bit about, I don't like Terrace Marshall joining this offense for him. Um, and you know, I think even DJ Moore perhaps could take a slight step back. I mean, the familiarity between Marshall and Joe Brady, um, I don't think that we can discount. Um, and then if I'm thinking about the familiarity of Darnold with players in the offense, that would actually be a check in Robbie Anderson's favor above DJ Moore. Um, so the, the receivers are going to be a little bit tough to project a little bit. And we haven't seen DJ Moore score the touchdowns. Terrace Marshall, a little bit of a bigger body, uh, as is Robbie Anderson. So um, kind of hard to forecast DJ Moore having an uptick in that area. Um, I, I do actually think it's worth talking about Dan Arnold. Um, the team um, definitely wanted to go out and improve uh, the situation. I don't know if you saw, I think the Panthers um, posted actually some of the the GM's um, phone calls as they were um, kind of negotiating for Dan Arnold um, with the agent. It was really interesting to to listen to that. Um, and he seemed a little bit like a priority player, a bit of a surprise for the Cardinals um, last year, you know, converted wide receiver as he enters the NFL, um, certainly the biggest body in this receiving core now. And if you're a believer in what Matt Rule and Joe Brady are going to do in the long term, um, perhaps Dan Arnold makes for an intriguing, um, you know, last round pick in best ball tournaments and your three tight end um, builds. So the, these would be builds where, you know, perhaps you're building a, a Panthers stack um, with Darnold and a, also a team that maybe is a three QB build um, or, you know, maybe just as that kind of flyer third tight end, you know, when you wait on the position and, and don't draft one early. So um, I do have a, a couple 
shares uh, of Dan Arnold. I'm actually only on one Robbie Anderson share. And then um, I didn't really realize this until, you know, we're having this conversation. Um, I actually have zero DJ Moore shares. Um, they're just other wide receivers in the range that I like a little bit better. Um, so I haven't really been like specifically ignoring DJ Moore. It's just um, he hasn't been the best player on my board um, in any of these 31 drafts uh, when it's been my turn uh, to select a player. So I um, might have to take a little bit of a look at that, but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be underweight pretty much at this point, no matter what I do, um, uh, probably on McCaffrey and more. So uh, what are your thoughts, Dave? I mean, obviously CMC high on everybody's list, but are you prioritizing Anderson or more? And um, are Darnold, Darnold or Arnold uh, interesting to you? Yeah. So I'll, I'll start off with, with Arnold, uh, <laughs> Arnold. Uh, yeah. Uh, I almost thought I said Darnold, which would have been something, but Dan Arnold. Um, so I only end up with him seeing around 45 targets. Uh, a large reason is uh, for that is you have a talented wide receiver core. Then you have a running back in Christian McCaffrey, who is going to see so many targets that it just makes it very unlikely that you see Arnold getting a high target total still have met four touchdowns, but only 285 receiving yards. That's not going to be enough to make him relevant in your typical redraft roster management type of league. I could see scooping him up on a couple of best ball teams uh, just in case he exceeds expectations. As far as the wide receivers go, I probably have a bias towards DJ Moore. I end up with him finishing around 40 or so points ahead of Robbie Anderson. Um, I have him seeing around 16 more targets. Terrace Marshall does crack the 100 point mark. Um, but I don't think that uh, in most leagues you're going to be playing him at least in the beginning of the season. Maybe he sneaks his way in later. And that leaves David Moore as the player that though I kind of have always liked David Moore, I just don't see him making his way into relevancy uh, in 2021 unless you have any more comments on Carolina I would love to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah I want to spend um just one more uh minute on on Dan Arnold um actually (laughs) randomly you did not expect that uh when you um gave us the Panthers here um but listen for the Cardinals last year it's really the the first season um, you know, that he, that he had meaningful usage, you know, he only had 45 targets for the, for the Cardinals last year. Um, which is, I think the number you said you gave him for the Panthers, but on 45 targets, he scored four touchdowns. Uh, you know, he caught 31 balls and had 438 receiving yards. I mean, actually averaged 14.1 yards per reception and he had eight top 24 weeks. It's just such a low bar to crack for tight ends that, um, that's why I've kind of liked the idea of um, mixing him in as a just as a third tight end as a flyer um you know in, in traditional ppr formats um just two games over 10 ppr last season um, but he did have that huge week 13 with 20.1 points and as a final round flyer if you get a start out of a player uh, you're feeling pretty good um, potentially gonna have a positive win rate uh spending that um you know that pick on a, a player like this that figures to get um if the panthers are going to score um through the air you know, I, I would think, you know, he's going to be one of the priority targets um, down there, you know, in the scoring area of the field, given his, you know, massive six foot six frame. Um, he also, um, interestingly, the last three seasons has had positive fantasy points over expectation. You know, efficient receivers tend to stay efficient. Um, and, you know, he was actually eighth at the position in fantasy points over expectation 
2020. So I'm just wondering if this might be a little bit of a uh, a year four breakout uh, situation because uh, he's got the you know pretty clear path um, to playing time for you know a team that you know obviously would like to pass the ball um, given you know Matt Rule and Joe Brady's background. So um, from a dynasty perspective, really like Dan, Ar- Dan Arnold is a very late sleeper dart throw. And a great player to ask for as a throw-in in a dynasty trade. And now we can be done talking about the Panthers. All right. I always love the point, though, about trying to get a player in there uh, as a throwaway. But let's talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, a team that I always end up talking about a lot because they always have intriguing players. So Ben Roethlisberger, Najee Harris, Juju, Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, still there at wide receiver, Eric Ebron, the starter at tight end. Are all of those players that I just mentioned going to be relevant in 2021? And is there anyone else on the team that I may not have mentioned that I do need to mention? I think the player that you probably would say needs, well, James Washington really is the one that is a little bit confusing how much we need to think about him. Uh, but beyond Washington, I'm not sure that I, I left anybody off that would need to be mentioned. What do you think, Curtis? No, and I think for redraft purposes, I mean, Washington could end up being like a priority streamer. Um, I could definitely could see him showing up in waiver wire uh, pieces throughout the season. Don't think he's really draftable, um, you know, traditional, um, you know, roster management leagues or even even from like a tournament perspective, like he's not really going to be you know, save, save like a summer injury, James Washington's not going to be like on my board for, you know, the FFPC main event or something like that. And he's really not on my board in the slimmer um, best ball tournament formats either. Um, like underdog certainly deserves to be drafted in deeper um, FFPC best ball formats where we're going, you know, well into, you know, the 20 rounds. Um, but, you know, for, for those skinnier uh, situations and, and smaller teams, um, I think you can ignore Washington. So let's, let's really dig into, those studs, I'll kind of share um, what my exposures look like right now, um, which is a little bit illustrative of, of ADP, but also, you know, kind of the upside I see, you know, for those players. Um, you know, Claypool is by far uh, my most owned stealer. Um, I, I've got 25% exposure uh, to, to Claypool across 31 best ball tournament teams um, so far. Just really like the range of players that he's sitting within. Uh, like that he scores touchdowns um, and, you know, just, you know, the, the year two, you know, we really love targeting those year two wide receivers. Um, those are the players that Sean and Sean, no one explains this better than Sean, but those are those league winners. Typically um, when you think about young wide receivers, it's that year two uh, boom. And, you know, I know the Steelers have a qu- uh, crowded wide receiver situation, um, but if Claypool takes that next step it could be really special based off of what we saw last season. Um, Najee Harris uh, is is in a range in, in the second round where I've been targeting wide receiver uh, more often, uh, really getting a lot of um, Michael Thomas shares kind of in the same range that, that Najee Harris is showing up. Um, also some DeAndre Hopkins in that area, just players that I feel a little bit more comfortable with, especially if I've already gone running back in the first round. Um, do you have some Deontay Johnson, especially as of late, uh, finding him available in the late fifth round and even sliding into the early early sixth sometimes. And then Juju, because of the structure that I'm taking um, uh, typically in, in these best ball drafts, especially in the ones where I'm forced to start three wide receivers, I'm going wide receiver heavy earlier 
which pushes Juju, you know, in the the later single digit rounds, he's falling more into that, uh, you know, one elite and then wait on running back range. And then he's falling in a range where I'm typically targeting tight end um, or like my RB2 or potentially my RB3. So don't really have a lot of Juju, not because I don't like the player. I think he's probably a value there. And if I was going to go hyper fragile, um, I could see myself definitely like prioritizing Juju as a wide receiver four on a team like that, if I went, you know, RB3 to begin a draft. Um, but structurally, I've just been, you know, missing him um, in, in my drafts. And Eric Ebron, I think the addition of Pat Fryermuth um, could potentially complicate things uh, for him. Um, and there's so many other pass catchers there that, you know, I truly do think that the, whoever the tight end is, uh, is going to be the fourth option at least uh, in that offense and, and potentially the fifth if Harris uh, can translate his uh, receiving skill set um, at the NFL level. So that's those are my thoughts and on all the familiar faces there in the Pittsburgh offense. Um, you see any of these players differently or, you know, how are you approaching them in your drafts, Dave? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I think I'm pretty much on the same page as you. I think that I will find myself taking a little bit more Juju Smith-Schuster in drafts than you would. Um, Some of that, though, is probably going to depend on what has happened in my teams beforehand because I definitely don't think that he's a player that I need to make a priority but at the ADP that they have with Claypool around 22 Deontay Johnson currently around 28 Juju around 32 I think those are all fair prices I still think even despite some of the drop-off that we had with Ben Roethlisberger last year I still think that we see three of these guys finishing as top 36 wide receivers that can still happen or if not at least coming close so i'll probably have um across my best ball teams fairly similar percentages for these guys um and i i know i've talked about james washington in the past he's going at a positional adp of 111 making him a very attractive option for me in the later round of best ball drafts because Despite the fact that he's going to be the wide receiver four, I still think that it's pretty likely that you get one or two weeks out of him where he will contribute points to your team. And that's hard to say about players that come at that point in the draft. So just one more one more comment on Juju there. Uh, one more comment on Juju. So just uh, kind of to illustrate the range for the listeners, if, if, you, if you haven't started drafting in best ball yet, kind of where he's falling 
it's really weird to think about because he's been so highly drafted the last couple of years. Uh, I'm looking at FFPC, uh, best ball ADP, but he's going to be, you know, relatively in this range um, across all the various formats. He's going in that area where you see uh, a couple other players who we can pencil in as their team, as the team wide receiver one. Um, so, you know, do you like Juju potentially as anywhere from the Steelers wide receiver one down to their wide receiver three, or would you prefer Cortland Sutton or Odell Beckham Jr. who, you know, we can presume are going to be their team, uh, their team's wide receiver one. And then this is also a range where you might start thinking about taking your QB one. Uh, if you want one of those players with the league winning upside, like a Jalen Hurts, uh, for example. And then you also find some, some running backs that um, start to become part of that stable uh, in a one elite RB build or even perhaps a zero RB build. This is that range where you start finding the Michael Carters, the Melvin Gordons um, of the world, the Damian Harris's, uh, Zach Moss's. It, it, so it, it's just it just depends on how you're structuring that team and how things have fallen. Um, so do, definitely agree with you, Dave, that you know what happens in the first six, seven rounds kind of dictates whether Juju fits that team. Whereas, you know, when you're looking at, you know, the other players, when you're talking about Claypool, Harris, or Deontay Johnson, you're really making a decision, you know, to prioritize them um, over other players. And they're not so much, uh, I guess, dependent on the structure of your build. For sure. Um, oh, and what I did want to say was I actually have yet to do my Steelers projection, um, which after I do that, I'm sure the next time we talk about them, I might have a little bit more dialed in of a perspective on the team. San Francisco, we talked about last episode, their quarterbacks. Uh, so you have Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance at running back. Boy, you have Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon, Jeff Wilson Jr., and Wayne Gallman, who actually was a fantasy-relevant player last year, while filling in for Saquon Barkley, the man just could not be kept out of the end zone. Uh, I forget how many weeks it was, but he had a stretch of like, I want to say it was like five games with a touchdown. At wide receiver, you have Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Mohamed Sanu Jr., or sorry, Mohamed Sanu, Mohamed Sanu Sr., Richie James, Trent Sherfield, Travis Benjamin, Benny Fowler, Kevin White, a whole hodgepodge of wide receivers. And then obviously you have George Kittle. A lot to unpack here, Curtis. Let's start at the running back position. If you ask me today, who do I think is most likely to lead the team in rushing attempts? I am going to say that it's Trey Sermon. Um, at wide receiver, the guys I would be interested in are Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. And then obviously you have Kittle. I do expect that we end up seeing more Trey Lance this year than we do see Jimmy Garoppolo. Agree or disagree with everything I just said? Uh, I think I, I think I agree with everything. I definitely agree <clears throat> on Trey Sermon um, leading that backfield. I don't know on rushing attempts yet it might be fairly even on the rushing attempts but i i definitely think that trey sermon's a better receiver um and i, th I think he has a more complete skill set and he, and he also um you know Mostert has shown you know the the injury history we already know jeff wilson uh is is injured and you know gallman is a a steady you know kind of well-rounded player but he also showed that you know he has no chance of being really a difference maker he's just a compiler uh, if given the chance and so I could I could actually even see you know the team you know perhaps 
uh, moving on from Jeff Wilson if he doesn't get enough uh, camp reps and prioritizing uh, Gallman over him, um, you know, just in case they get in a pinch. Um, and anyway, yeah, Sermon is the player that I'm targeting in that backfield. He and Mostert are actually going the same range uh, of drafts right now. Um, I have zero exposure to, to Raheem, uh, Raheem Mostert. I'm putting my money where my mouth is on this one. Uh, definitely a little overweight on Sermon at 19%. Again, because he fits that structural uh, build that I, I really prefer uh, in tournaments right now. Um, and, you know, finding him as my RB2 or, you know, occasionally as my RB3 uh, on a lot of builds. And the wide receiver position, um, Ayuk and Samuel are both kind of, of interesting, but I've just not been finding myself selecting either one of them. Uh, and, and I actually fading George Kittle a little bit too because he's going right up against Darren Waller. Um, and so, I you know, I, I like... George Kittle and Sean Siegel called Kittle and Waller, perhaps the most, the two most important players in fantasy football in 2021. Uh, because you know, what are you doing? Are you going tight end elite tight end early? Um, if you miss out on Kelsey, um, or are you not? Because if you don't prioritize one of these three guys, um, you're going to have to kind of sew it together unless you, you know, you hit, uh, or, or I mean, Hawkinson or Pitts or one of these other guys actually does hit. You're going to have to draft them in a range like you're assuming they hit. But then if they don't, you know, you've kind of ruined your team. Um, and so, you know, George Kittle versus Darren Waller, I just think it's much easier to pencil in Waller for that elite uh, target market share. Uh, and perhaps, you know, you know, on the top 10 in the league targets list uh, like he was, you know, last year, kind of in that range. Whereas Kittle sharing, you know, the ball with so many other players on a team that we really would like to still prioritize the run. And then as Trey Lance finds his way uh, under center, we have to assume he's going to run as well. Uh, whereas the the quarterbacks uh, in the past couple of years uh, have not done that. So I'd expect passing attempts to drop. Um, and, you know, that would also, you know, potentially impact, you know, the backs. A lot going on in the San Francisco 49ers offense. But I really think that uh, Trey Sermon, I mean, as, as weird as it sounds and as much talent as there is, Trey Sermon's kind of the priority piece for me on this team, uh, at least at this point, based on ADP. I don't disagree with that. I actually think that um, a lot of the points that you just raised resonated with me. And I also do have some fear that we see Trey Lance get into the role of San Francisco's QB1 and that negatively impact the receivers via attempts going down, the team not running as efficiently. Um, you know, low completion percentages, not sending up wide receivers, not because I necessarily don't like Trey Lance. It's just that there's so much uncertainty. It's going to be a rookie passer. Everything that goes into that, we don't know exactly when he's going to get thrown into the mix. Uh, I suppose you could make an argument for the receivers on the team that, well, at least there's a situation where if everything falls apart with Lance, you have that veteran that you can bring in that backup. But Garoppolo is not really the type of player that's going to help out his receivers from a fantasy perspective. So we could see a situation where they end up really focusing on the backs, not on the wide receivers. And maybe that's a reason why when you're structuring your team, you're in a spot where you need to think about if you're going to go after Kittle or make the play for Waller and you end up structuring things early on so that you go and get Waller. A um, lot of different things to consider there. And this is one of those teams that as we approach training camp, trying to make sense of what's going on with this team and tracking along, I think is something that everybody's going to be trying to do. Yeah. And, um, 
Yeah, man, that's just, you know, these types of discussions, they just, I just love them, man. Cause they just remind me, you know, and, and, and it's not that I like forget because thinking about fantasy a lot of, uh, a lot of the time. And, uh, but it just reminds me how much I, I just love the game. Um, and love to think about what's going to happen, uh, and, and make those educated guesses. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, in these exercises, as we run down these teams on the past several Fridays and we'll continue to do so. Um, I kind of have been defaulting to the best ball view just because that's, you know, the type of draft that, uh, most of us are doing, you know, right now, but definitely want to circle back, um, especially to this 49ers, uh, depth chart from like a dynasty perspective, just because I'm not targeting these guys, um, in best ball formats based off of their, you know, their redraft slash best ball ADP right now. Uh, I'm definitely not down on Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel and dynasty, definitely not down on George Kittle and dynasty. And, and we've already talked earlier this week about, um, how we value Trey Lance. Um, and so, you know, I'm really, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want people to infer that I'm out on the 49ers offense. I actually think this is an awesome offense with a lot of future upside it's just that, you know, when I'm placing, you know, one chip on an offense, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable stacking because we don't really know what it's going to look like. Um, that one chip from a best ball and redraft perspective based off of, you know, the cost of uh, admission, price of admission is Trey Sermon for me right now. But really, in the long run, I pretty much like every meaningful uh, or every material starter on this offense and, and would definitely uh, recommend um, being heavy on 49ers uh, and dynasty startups and then circling this back from a dynasty view, uh, to the Steelers and the Panthers, you know, just quickly, uh, the Steelers pretty much like all of those pieces, uh, and Najee Harris, Juju, Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, lots to like there and really like Pat Fryermuth maybe as a longer term option, uh, as a depth tight end. And then, um, Carolina kind of going back to it, you know, at the top of the show, we talked about Dan Arnold being a fun throw in, um, obviously really like DJ Moore, Uh, and Christian McCaffrey. Um, We cut up Robbie Anderson earlier this week, and he's kind of just a movable piece. Um, He's a dynasty pawn, if you will, Uh, wide receiver. Terrace Marshall, I think, is the future uh, wide receiver two there, potentially even wide receiver one, maybe over DJ Moore. Hot take here at the end of the take, Uh, into the the pod here at the end of the week. And then uh, Sam Darnold, I'm just not not super high on. Maybe he's a QB3 for your uh, Superflex dynasty team. Um, just wanted to make sure we circled back. I didn't want, you know, the, the people who are listening for the dynasty context to not get it on these squads. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I think that was a good way to kind of, uh, summarize and conclude the thoughts on those teams. Uh, I want to remind everybody that you can get in the, in the entryway to win a t-shirt we have now. It doesn't feel like it's a short amount of time, but the season is approaching. I would really love to continue to get listener questions that we can use to kind of frame our discussions, or even if they're not questions, just topics that you want us to hit things that are on your mind. Nine, seven, eight, six, one, five, nine, two, one, four. Again, that's nine, seven, eight, six, one, five, nine, two, one, four. I have figured out why I have been so off in using the mixer in addition to the house being taken apart. I'm normally in a swivel chair and it's easier for me to swivel 90 degrees and be looking directly at the mixer. Without that, I've had to like kind of contort my body and I've been kind of lazy. The body's a little bit sore from all the packing. I've been trying to just do it with my left hand 
It's a mess. It's Friday, Curtis. Why don't you leave us with a closing thought? Yeah, I yeah, I'm glad that you figured it out after we recorded, you know, all three episodes this week. Um, that's we <laughs> 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 finally, finally figured out the root cause there. Um, so just I'll I'll uh, end the, this week with a couple musings. Um, one of my favorite pictures that I saw over the last week, NFL related. Did you see the the Ryan Fitzpatrick picture? You know, uh, Dave, we're both uh, fathers of young kids. Um, and I think you're probably familiar, you know, with kind of the whole like first day of school chalkboard picture that's so uh, prevalent uh, for parents these days. And Ryan Fitzpatrick holds up a chalkboard. It says Ryan's first day of year 17. My teacher is Mr. Rivera. I am 38 years old and I'm 74 inches tall. And my friends are Terry and Curtis. I just thought that was great. Um, such a good personality. And also, um, notably, he didn't list Logan Thomas on that. So, you know, I think his ADP is going to crater uh, after uh, Ryan, you know, left him off of his chalkboard. Um, and then, you know, an, another thing, maybe on a more serious note, I've been trying to encourage people, um, you know, just from like a mindset perspective or, you know, just doing some positive things. Um, rather than encourage people to do a positive thing, like I did the last couple of weeks, um, just want to, you know, speak a word of truth, maybe to, to those of you that, um, maybe you're in the industry or maybe having a tough time in, in your life and find yourself listening to the opinions of other people, um, and having an effect like the way you feel about yourself, man. Um, you know, this is, uh, this is, um, kind of, a I guess like a motivational poster, um, a really cool, uh, a really cool account to follow. Um, on various social media um, platforms is called the Motivation Hub. And they have a lot of positive stuff that they put out there. And this is one that really spoke to me. I actually shared it with my team uh, at work as well in my day job. It just says, don't worry about what people say behind your back. Uh, they are the people who are finding faults in your life instead of fixing the faults in their own life. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, that's not always true, but oftentimes it could be true. Uh, and, you know, the people that are, are saying those things about you, um, you know, it's just a way, you know, to distract them from things that, you know, are bothering them about themselves. And so don't fall victim to that type of thing. Um, find a way to stay positive or, you know, if you find yourself down, you know, talk to somebody um, who will, you know, spend that um, time, effort and energy to build you up uh, or, you know, just unplug and do something that, you know, fulfills you and allows you to, to view yourself in that positive light. Again, maybe it's exercise, maybe it's reading a favorite author, watching a familiar show or drafting a fantasy team, whatever it may be. Now get recentered on that positivity and you can always drop me a DM uh, or at me on Twitter. I'm always eager to, uh, uh, I guess, you know, feed the positive beast uh, for whoever it is. So um, yeah, closing thoughts for the week, Dave. Awesome. I love it. One thing that I actually want to add to that, just in that vein, a thing that I have discovered is very good for when I start to get in a bad mood and I'm going to get into a bit of a rut. I immediately go to YouTube and just have it start playing me like clips of comedians, yeah. like people that I think are funny. The humor like pretty quickly turns things around for me. So, you know, perhaps uh, if you're somebody out there that kind of hits a rough patch in a day, give that a shot. Thanks for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Email us at rotovizffshow at gmail.com. Visit rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for more information on listener-only discounts. And until next time, thanks for stopping by.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com